Welcome back to the Aerospace Testing International podcast. This episode, we're joined by Paul Davison. Paul manages BAE Systems Faraday Test Center and has done so for the past 18 years. Home to some of the world's most advanced testing and simulation facilities, Paul has been instrumental in developing the center as a one-stop qualification shop for civil, military, and aerospace applications. But yeah, we, we pulled it together. It used to be four separate teams. You saw the, the two labs downstairs, um, the environmental lab and the EMC lab. Um, and I talked about we've got design engineers upstairs and teams that manage the programs through the labs. They used to be four separate teams and, and the guys upstairs used to take the equipment to the labs and they were part of a different part of the business. Um, and if we didn't get there on time, they would have scheduling problems and it was all a little bit disjointed. Um, so we said, well, you know, we're, we're all trying to do the same thing. We all work for the same company. And why don't we put it all together in one department where we can all work together and the guys upstairs can be part of the same team as the guys that run the labs. Yeah. Um, when we get too busy upstairs, the guys in the labs can get new skills and help them out and vice versa. When we're busy downstairs, we can encourage the guys to get new skills and, and, and sort of fill out their role a bit more. How much has that helped in like developing this place? Um, I think it's been really key in, in keeping it efficient and effective and, and making it exciting for the guys that work there rather than just just work in the environmental lab or just work in EMC or just work people can see more of the whole picture of what we're trying to achieve as a like a one-stop qualification department this is that's how we, we see it everything can be done in this building from from writing the test plans to performing the tests to to um, delivering the report at the end of the day and, and also feeding data back into the, the, the wider parts of the business that do analysis and design type work. How important is it, just jumping ahead, how important is it to f- f- test products t- to the absolute extremes? Um, we do push products to extremes. Um, we want to make sure they work under the most extreme conditions. Um, it's, it's really important. It's something we need to do to make sure they're gonna be reliable and work for the life of the aircraft. The issue we have with doing that is that sometimes we go above and beyond what it will see in real life. And um, the reason for that is, for instance, an aircraft's going to be in, in service for 25 years and we can't sit down there and vibrate one of our products for 25 years. <laughs> um, so what we have to do is we have to um, probably do higher levels, shorter durations, which accumulates the stress on the item much quicker to mm. give us a feel for how the product will behave over that 25 year period. So we take things above and beyond for those reasons as well we're not just testing it it will work for those few minutes it's here it's it's got to be reliable for a very long time because you're testing to such extremes of temperature of vibration shock you know you've got everything from a centrifuge to a salt spray um tester how often do you find products failing those that's a good question too so what we try to do is we try to in in each program we try to add risk reduction testing up front so the cycle is it goes from uh, a concept and a requirement from a customer um that will set some requirements some requirements that will come to us and we'll have a program of testing um how much testing will depend on whether we can do anything by analysis um we we talk to our, our analysis and mechanical engineers to, to understand how similar it is to a previous product or if it's just a small design change. If that's the case, it might be we can limit the amount of testing um, and, and do more analysis type work. So we try to cover all angles um, and, and do as much testing as need as is needed. Um, but to give us confidence that it's gonna be okay for a, for a very long time. You said it was a, a sort of 50-50 in terms of testing 
between internal and external customers. Yes. Um, How do you, managing this whole center, manage customer expectations around testing? That's a really good point as well, because it's it's like spinning plates. There's always something going on and and things don't always run to schedule. And Mm. we could be planning a number of tests for next week, maybe a vibration test that's supposed to run for four days. If it fails after one day, you've got three days of gap that you didn't know you were going to have. Then you end up having a product that's only done one day of testing that needs to come back at some point in the near future. You don't know when it's going to be fixed. So it's all about scheduling and and agility of the team. The team are fantastic. Um, That's one of their specialist skills. And sometimes I think, oh, that's lucky. We managed to get everything done again this week. How did that happen? But it's just the way they, you, you hear them day in, day out, and they'll be on the phones. Oh, the product's not coming till four o'clock today instead of two o'clock, and it's coming Wednesday instead of Monday. Okay. And they'd continually, it's like being on the floor of the stock market. You know, just, <laughs> all these people, just constant dialogue. Um, okay, well, I'll work till 10 today, and I'll come in later tomorrow. And the team are brilliant at doing that. And I, I keep saying they're the clever ones. So I just give out the pencils, which is my, my <laughs> motto. But they, they were very lucky to have such an, an agile team that all works so well together. Part of bringing the whole four teams together that I mentioned earlier, it's sort of like a, a, a really good uh, team spirit that, that gets us through. You've got the team, and but you've also got the kit. I'm just going to quick fire, name you right now your favorite piece of kit. That's a good question. I, I always like the acceleration facility just because mm-hmm. it's visual and then you can see things spinning around and, and it just, you know, we have open days and, and parents come in with young children and we put like a, a toy monkey on the end of it and the monkey <laughs> spins around and flays its arms out because of the G-forces throwing it out. Um, it's just very visual and people like it. And, uh, it it's, yeah, one of my favourites, I, I think, is, is acceleration. Okay, next one for you, your most expensive piece of kit right now. Well, it... <sighs> Most of our pieces of kit are, are very expensive, and that's the thing with a department like this. Every item is it's got a huge price tag, and they're one-offs, and we have to continually plan for um, investment. We have a one-year, five-year, ten-year investment plan, so we can not predict when things are going to fail, but keep them updated, with the latest technologies, and keep them reliable. Um, so the, the investment's a big thing. Um, our most expensive kit. An EMC chamber itself can be half a million pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, a temperature, altitude, humidity chamber, one of the temperature chambers that can do those combined environments um, can be 350,000 pounds. And, and we're actually going to buy one of those in the next, it's on our, our capital spend list for the next 18 months. So that's the next on our, on our shopping list. <laughs> but we continue going around it and, and looking at which equipment's working well and, and which ones we're needing to maintain a little bit more and trying to predict. Um, what we need to buy next. And again, being niche items and, and one-offs, it's not like if one failed tomorrow, we can go to, to the shops and buy a new one and it's in in a week. And they're usually like 12 month, 18 month lead times for some of these yeah. items. So we have to be very clever in, in, in how we um, have that ensure we still got that capability and we maintain that capability. I mean, the, the test equipment is, as you say, a one-off and incredibly involved and incredibly expensive, but also the pieces of kit that you're testing are, are one-offs, incredibly expensive and incredibly involved. What what kinds of products do you test at the Faraday Test Center? And so, and how do you manage that range of, um, again, sort of client expectation and input? It is a wide range of products and, and different technologies. And, and over the years, you've seen the technologies change and, and get more and more complex, not only with the kit that we have to test the products, um, but for the products themselves, as you say. So seeing that change in technology year after year is quite exciting. 
Um, it's good for for us to to um, learn new things, learn how to test things in different ways, and learn how how different products work. Um, so, it's, it, we have our internal customers where we're talking about head-up displays and helmets and sticks and, and the technology around those, which is, is ever changing and, and ever improving and, and getting more exciting year after year. And then on the other side, some of our external customers, we could be something quite basic sometimes, like an, a coffee maker or, or an oven or a fridge. Um, so there's a, a whole diverse range of kit that we get to test, which sort of makes it quite interesting for, for the guys as well. Is there anything that you, you uh, as a team, that you've tested recently or um, acquired recently even, that you say would have, have pushed you in terms of your um, limits? I think some of our in- internal products, just because of the technologies and, and the platforms that they're going on um, and the ever-changing abilities of some of those aircraft, um, takes us up year after year. So some of the specs and testing around some of those new products for new airframes is quite quite interesting and, and not challenging, um, but fun. Now, I asked this question knowing full well, you probably may not be able to give a complete answer, but does that include the Tempest? Um, yeah, I can't give a complete answer. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Uh, I came in with <laughs> muted expectations, but nonetheless. I think one of the things that's come up a lot, actually, uh, mentioned by Andy and Ken uh, and yourself as well as UCAS accreditation and how long, what, what does that look like in terms of um, how much testing does need to be done before certification and how involved are you in the accreditation process? Sure. So we've had UCAS accreditation for many, many years now. I'm talking uh, 40, 50 years, um, but there's an ongoing uh, assessment um, every year. Um, where we have a team of assessors come in. We have a lead assessor that looks at our management and quality processes. Um, and then we have individual assessors that ex- are experts in EMC and environmental. Mm. Um, so to, in order to keep that maintained, we have to have a management review each year where we look at um, what training we're doing, what investment we're doing, what skills we've got, the capabilities of our team members, their expertise, to make sure we are at a level that's, that's competent. So the, the accreditation they give us is against ISO 17025 which is the general requirements for competency of test labs. So they expect us to be able to know what we're doing. <laughs> um, we have to back it all up with, with firm documented procedures that mm-hmm. we can prove that we're following um, and uh, with uh, uh, proving to them that we are investing in the right way and, and developing people in the right way and performing to their standards. It's quite good. It's a benchmark as well because we think we're good at what we do. Um, UCAS come in year after year and tell us that they, they like what they see. They may give us a few minor actions occasionally, but generally we get some good feedback from that audit. Um, but they also look at the whole of the rest of the industry so they can benchmark us against the rest of the industry and, and we get some good feedback. And how would you say you're doing? Uh, how would I say? Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know I'm biased, but um, I think we, we are. We've been told that you know, some of the expertise we got in this building is, is, is exceptional. Um, and we can see that. I see that day in, day out, and I'm really proud of what we've got. Um, but having UCAS come in, I, I see it as a win-win. They can either come in and say, there's two or three things here that you could make better. And I say, thank you, that's brilliant. We can do that, and we can improve this year. Or they come in and say, everything's fantastic, and then that's great too. So whichever way they, that goes, we get we get useful, great feedback that helps us to, to improve year after year. Talking more about the industry as a whole, do you think that on the whole – People view that as a as a collaborative effort. Well, the the yeah, as in your communication with the you know the qualification testing. Uh, sorry, the certifiers like UCAS and 
I, I think so. I mean, it's really important to many of our external customers as well. Like yeah. They look for the UCAS badge and they, they, when they see that, that gives them confidence that we're, we're competent in what we do. So working with UCAS, I see it very much as a team effort and, and I look forward to their audits. And, and not only just the audit, the interaction we have with their assessors and lead assessors throughout the year, whenever we, you know, if we have any questions, they're always there on hand as well. So I, I like the relationship we have with UCAS and, um, and the feedback we get and, and the way they help us to be as to, to maintain our competencies. Yeah. I've had a very insightful view of, of the test center thus far. What would you say makes the Faraday test center so unique? I, I think the fact that it is a one-stop qualification department. I mean, I've already talked about the agility of the team and, and that quality that they have that um, it's always what can we do, not what can't we do. And, and that's you know, how can we make this happen? How can we hit that milestone? These things are all good. We, we know schedules are gonna change and products are gonna fail. Okay, how do we deal with that? And what can we do instead? And what can we reschedule? And how do we make it happen? How do we keep our customers happy? That's the mindset they've got. And, and that's fantastic. But the thing that, that again, is, is quite unique is being one stop. The, mm. the, the design teams, the product, um, the, the engineers that deliver the product, they write the procedures, they write the reports, they look at the scheduling and the costs. The engineers in the labs that generate the environments, that generate the RF and the temperatures and, and provide the conditions that we, we have to prove the, the equipment will work under. That All those four branches in one team is quite unique. There are other labs up and down the country um, that, that have environmental labs and EMC labs. Um, not many have all of that in one building, in one place. Some do, but, but it, it is, it's quite unusual. I, I would like to change that a little bit. I haven't actually had the pleasure of visiting the, the simulation yet, but from what I've been told thus far, it's, it's quite interesting so far as it's very adaptable. It's rather modular. You can have anything, you can uh, outfit it for commercial and then immediately outfit it, well, not immediately, but relatively speaking, outfit it for military um, sim as well. Can you just talk a little bit about that and, and how that operation sort of So runs? Paul Harrison, who you'll meet soon, looks after the, the uh, simulators and he's, he's brilliant, but there are lots of different setups they can have there from fast jet to commercial aircraft. I mean, you can find yourself sitting in, a, in an aircraft trying to land at Heathrow Airport um, or, or, or doing some high-tech manoeuvres in, in some top-of-the-range fighter jet wearing some of our technology or using some of our head-up displays. Really fascinating stuff, really fun to do. Um, we took the team just because, you know, as, as a little bit of a thank you as well, we took the team over there last year as a, a little afternoon exercise saying, let's go and have a go on the simulators. It's not something we, even though it's on our site here, it's not something we get to do regularly. Um, um, so we took the team for a day recently, and the buzz when they came back was, was just well, they didn't, they didn't start talking for ages. I, I thought that agility was going to go out the window because they was talking about simulators for so long, but it was, it was fantastic. Everyone really enjoyed it and it had great fun. And I was one of the worst. I think I crashed at Heathrow. So if you ever go on your holidays and see me sitting in the pilot seat, please just get off straight away. Pool, not pilot, yeah. It, yeah, exactly, exactly <laughs> that. I'm not made for pilot. Um, there are, as you say, in terms of you know the helmet and the heads-up display, incredible new technologies coming through. Yep. Is there anything that, that you're working on now or that you, you can see coming that you're really excited about? New innovations, new tech, new ways of testing? I, I think there's always new ways of testing. And some of the things we, we focus on is, is upgrading our equipment accordingly so that the latest chambers with faster ramp rates can reduce cycle times. So, so that's something that can make testing cheaper and quicker for our customers and for our, our own internal programs. Mm. So if we see a chamber with a ramp rate, you know, 20 degrees a minute um, versus one that's got two degrees a minute, that means our cycles can be significantly reduced. Um, so, so looking from my point of view, I really 
and bias towards the way we test things and how we can do that quicker and easier and, and cheaper and more effectively. Automation, you know, anything we can automate now, programming things that we didn't necessarily do previously. Um, if I go back 20 or 30 years, you know, some EMC test sweeps were almost like a man patting his head and rubbing his stomach at the same time because <laughs> they're twiddling two knobs at the same time, trying to get the level with one hand and the frequency with the other one. And now that's just all programmed in and, and you know, the guy can be sitting back reading the procedure and, and just um, have, you know, not having to do those, those tricky maneuvers and, and patting heads and rubbing stomachs type of things. How does the, uh, the test center, how does it grow? What do you see as the, the biggest area for growth in the next five to 10 years? That's a good question. So we're, we're, we're working on, on a lot of uh, comms and marketing at the moment and going to trade shows in, in that we're trying to um, just bring in more customers, more, a wider range of customers, um, make people understand what like, today's all about really is, is some of it's about making people aware of what we can do. Mm. So building that external customer base, we've already got a significant customer base there and many of them return year after year and give us great feedback. So from, from my point of view, our roadmap is focusing on developing the team, increasing our, our orders and our customer base and improving our capabilities. And those three things are fundamental to running this little business unit. If we do those three things and we do them consistently and we do them regularly, and we, we feed them into people's PDRs and objectives throughout the year. But if we do focus on, uh, say, developing the team, improving our capabilities and, and increasing our orders, then we'll be successful. So that, that's, the, that's the, our mantra, our motto, really. Well, Paul, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Aerospace Testing International Podcast. For the latest industry news, features and magazine updates, stay connected with us on the website, LinkedIn and through the Aerospace Test and Development Show.